We get it. You're busy. You don't have time to waste on the mainstream media. That's why Salem News Channel is here. We have hosts worth watching, actually discussing the topics that matter. Andrew Wilkow, Dinesh D'Souza, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. We're not like the other guys. We're Salem News Channel. Watch anytime on any screen for free 24-7 at snc.tv. And on Local Now, Channel 525. Welcome to a brand new episode of the Michelle Tafoya podcast. It's a good time in America to talk about George Soros. And I'm certain that after I publish these episodes, these will be called anti-Semitic. And yet my guest is a Jew. She's written the new book, The Soros Agenda. Her name is Rachel Ehrenfeld, and she's done an extensive amount of research on George Soros. And that's not easy to do. Because so much of what he said and written is in foreign languages, is published in other countries. And quite frankly, he gets a pass by the left in this country, by the media in this country. Google him sometime and you will think that any criticism of George Soros is just a right wing conspiracy theory. Try it. Fortunately for us, we have a woman who is very, very knowledgeable about George Soros and wants to tell us about how he has influenced, quite frankly, the rot in Western civilization. Rachel Rachel Ehrenfeld has written this book, and she is our guest next. Welcome to the Michelle Tafoya Podcast. Rachel Ehrenfeld, welcome. It is a privilege to have you on. Um, This is a topic that I've been so curious about for so long, and so I'm excited to dive in about George Soros. You know, it's interesting to me that you could write a book about a man who, when I go online and I try to search for George Soros, everything I get is sort of positive. Or, Or the other part is conspiracy theorists say that George Soros dot, dot, dot. It seems to me it would be very difficult to research this man. So how did you do it? Uh, Very carefully and over a long period of time. Mm -hmm. And not actually searching too much online, but having having real documents in my hand, um, speeches that he had given, articles that he had published, statements that he had made, that were published not only in the United States, but all over the world in different languages, too. Uh, I had the original uh, documentation, and I verified everything. The book has been heavily, heavily and thoroughly vetted. Uh, There are 100 pages of text, and the rest, the book is 280 pages. The rest of it is is, uh, references. Wow. Um, So I've been very, very careful, and I cite... Um, Soros himself a lot uh, because I thought it would be good to show, uh, well, this is about his agenda. What did he say? What were his plans? How did he go about it? What did he say about how to implement it? Um, And and really showing what he has been doing all these years and I started very early on. Well, I kind of want this to be, in a way, George Soros 101 for my listeners and me, because a lot of people hear the name and uh, don't know a whole lot. He was born in in Hungary, right? 
He was born in Budapest. In, Budapest. Uh, yeah, in Budapest, in Hungary in 1930. Right. And and was Jewish, correct? Yeah, he was born into a Jewish family. Uh, he made statements later. He declared himself as agnostic. Okay. And okay. Uh, But he has been using, since he became active, and there was criticism, started to be criticism about his political actions, uh, he decided that, oh, wonderful, I will use my the religion I was born into, which I really don't like, um, as a shield against my critiques. Yes. So everybody automatically, it's a very smart strategy. Everybody who dared criticizing him uh, was instantly labeled as um, anti-Semitic. I, I, can, I can tell you firsthand that little old me posting something on X on social media that questioned George Soros or suggested that he donated to a certain fund that didn't really yeah. help society. Uh, that's putting it mildly. I, would, I was called anti-Semitic. Well, so I'm Jewish. I'm Jewish. And um, I was born and raised in Israel. I am um, an American citizen as well. But um, I, um, nobody claimed yet that I am anti-Semitic, not on his side. However, I have been, um, there was a lot of uh, pushback from, there are many, unfortunately, there are many Jews who have, have been supporting um, um, the very lefty Democrat Party for a very long time. Mm -hmm. And I mean, in that media, I mean, it's Jewish media, you would think that you can actually publish uh, information about uh, how George Soros is actually increasing, contributing to the increase of anti-Semitism yeah. 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 and encouraging it and actually funding organizations that are that hate Israel, that want to see the Jewish state of Israel completely destroyed and kill all the Jews, uh, he funded these such organizations directly and indirectly. You would think, and if they are very lefty, uh, well, if they are Americans, you would think that they would be interested in seeing, well, what what the hell, you know, who is responsible for all the open borders policies that we right. have? Right, right. Uh, so many, so many and policies. Crime, and crime in the streets and drugs. Uh, you would think that they would be interested, but no. Their curiosity is stops at that point. You can, I mean, writing this book, I have seen since now because because of the war, uh, because of Hamas, because Hamas attacked Israel, and because of the uh, um, really explosion of anti-Semitism in the United States, uh, which he helped to promote as well. Uh, there is more information about him. Uh, and I see when people, friends, send me all kind of notes. You see, oh, here is somebody today, somebody published something about how he funded the uh, Iran lobby during Obama when Obama made this horrible deal with Iran. Yeah. Um, and in 2015, uh, how he was actually encouraging and paying for the Iranian uh, lobby. I said, well, yeah, I've written about it before. Mm. I mean, you can find it in my book, right? Yeah. Uh, but but uh, apparently people didn't pay attention. Most well, don't pay attention now either. 
I, I'd like more people to pay attention, and that's why I wanted to talk to you. When he was 14 years old, yeah. he fled Hungary uh, because... No he, fled, no, he left Hungary when he was 17, actually. Okay. Uh, in 1947. Okay. He was 14 years old when the German, when the Nazis took over Hungary. And um, she adopted, he and family adopted uh, different identities. And, but he said in, in different books and uh, articles and interviews that he had given that he was actually very, uh, he was very glad because he didn't look Jewish. He was blonde and blue eyed. Uh, so, um, it's fine, but, uh, he then, uh, his father, uh, knew a Nazi official, a Hungarian Nazi who went around and, uh, uh, identified Jewish property for confiscation. And of course, the people who owned this property, the Jews, not only the property was confiscated by the Nazis, but uh, the, the Jews were sent to concentration camps or shot into the Danube. Uh, so they were killed. Um, Soros, the 14-year-old, went along with this. Uh, he said the story was that he's his godfather or something like that. And uh, so he went along with him to identify, uh, uh, when he identified Jewish properties. And um, he was asked by... Um, uh, Croft, Steve Croft in 60 Minutes, the, the, the infamous interview, uh, well, um, didn't he feel guilty about doing this? Not, not, not at all. This was the most exciting time of his life. Um, and that actually, he said, also shaped his character. Yeah, shaped his we, character. We can, yeah, we can see that now. Oh, we, we have seen it since. Croft had asked him first, okay, so did, still you didn't feel guilty? He said, no, no, if I wasn't doing it, somebody else would have done it. Uh, <laughs> so he was me, an opportunist, really, at, from the well, get-go. He was, okay, he was 14 years old, and although yeah. 14 years old then, uh, was certainly not 14 years old today, uh, but he knew what he was doing. Okay, so he survived. Since then, and Croft asked him, you know, the apology. No, he didn't apologize. He never said that he regretted what he that may would have been nice not to do it. That he's sorry, uh, apologizing, nothing. So that's uh, yeah, that would shape his character. Well, you would uh, think that a fourteen-year-old boy would be shaped by that for sure. But yeah. it, uh, this is an unfortunate direction he was shaped when he did flee. To the UK. So you're saying he was 17 when he went, when he... To, he went first to, he went with his father in 1947. He went to um, attend an Esperanto conference in um, Basel, in Switzerland. And um, I actually have the list of the, obtained uh, the list of the people who participated in this uh, international Esperanto conference, which his father was a big fan of. Uh, and uh, Soros as well. And from there, he uh, moved to, um, he went to the UK. Initially, he wanted to go to the Soviet Union. Uh, but his father, he said, uh, Soros said, his father actually said, no, you should go to, um, to the UK. So that's where he went. And then he um, enrolled at uh, the, at, um, 
Blenheim School of Economics. economics yeah. And he studied there. Yeah. And and made a fortune as a capitalist, correct? Uh, well, he did. He, he became um, uh, a banker, a currency, worked in finances. He became um, actually a currency uh, speculator. And um, he came to the United States. And while he was, he, he, his business was based here, uh, in um, 1992, he, what if the headlines were, he raided the Bank of England. What he did, he devalued the, he devalued the, the British pound. It was before the EU uh, and the, the, the one currency. And he devalued the British pound. And most people in England, I mean, their mortgages went up, you know, they devalued the currency, it affects many people. Um, he made, uh, there are different stories uh, that he made uh, between, well, $1 billion. No, he made much more. Uh, he made, as far I was told, by people who were part of the British government at the time, uh, that he made somewhere between 10 billion to 20 billion pounds. Well, the, yeah, there was a big difference there mm -hmm. uh, from one to 10 or 20, right? Yeah. He made a lot of money. Uh, and he didn't make, it was not, a, it was not really his genius. Uh, there was a choice to um, the currencies in Europe. The economy was a little bit in upheaval. And the choice was either to devalue the German the Deutsche Mark, or to devalue the pound. And um, apparently the, the choice was to devalue the pound, and I think that Soros was chosen to do that. Chosen but, by whom? But yeah, that's a good question. And I asked these questions uh, in, in the book um, when uh, he really, he made also money in, in instances where everybody else in the market uh, was losing money in other occasions, and he knew in advance. Um, he had some tips about um, uh, some people called it luck. Uh, it was not luck. Uh, so he was able to make a lot of money. He is not the richest person in the United States, never been. Uh, but again, the reports on his um, wealth and how much money he made, he had, how much money he spent, on different things is very opaque. And uh, if you if you looked at the Open Society Foundation's website, I don't know, seven years ago or six years ago, um, uh, the, the uh, website said that he had, uh, I don't know, he invested about $32 billion uh, in the Open Society Foundations, etc., or that he made something like that. But the figures didn't change. However, uh, he, it has been reported that he made, he sold, bought stocks, sold stock. He made a lot of money. And he had given many more, much more, many more billions of dollars to all kinds of things. So uh, the whole thing is very opaque. Yes, so I when you say that, you know, people are saying, well, he has this, he has that, don't, don't rely on it. It's it's that's what's so difficult about this story that I think it's so much unreliable uh, information on him because he there are so many people who benefit from keeping it opaque. So he has this Open Society Foundation, which sounds lovely, by the way. 
Yeah, um, it's very Orwellian. It's very Orwellian. It does. What is, it, what, is the, what is the goal of this Open Society Foundation? Well, initially he said that uh, this was uh, named, he borrowed this name uh, from uh, the f- uh, philosopher uh, Karl Popper, uh, with whom he, well, he was a student in one of his courses in, at the London School of Economics. And he said, oh, this is, this is a good title, so I can actually name my um, organization Open Society. At the beginning, it was Open Society Institute, and it became Open Society Foundations. It has many, 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 uh, many arms. Um, and um, uh, supposedly, it's to uh, promote democracy, because Soros was under German Nazi occupation, and under communism, and what Popper was preaching was individual freedom uh, above all. That's not what Soros is doing, and that's not what Soros's goal is. And um, he, and, and many things, if you look at, and if you see what the agenda and how he implemented it, still uh, working, his son is implementing now more, um, it's actually doing everything in order to shut down individual freedom, uh, close society, or really tribalize it uh, by race, by gender. uh, We see that happening right in front of us, don't we? And and, and we can, I mean, we're living it. And I I just wonder why, like what, what is George Soros and his son, Alex, what do they get out of this? Turmoil Uh, for sure, but... Besides personal satisfaction, I don't know. Um, uh, they are pushing this. Uh, George Soros is megalomaniac, okay? He himself says that he, he thought of himself as God. And when he actually made a lot of money, he started to leave it out. And, and boy, leave it out, he, he, he did. Um, and so uh, he really thinks that he knows better than any, anybody about everything. And um, what he did with his philosophy was really, oh, he, he, he says that he is an unacknowledged philosopher. Um, so he developed his own theories, which if you read them, it's really cruel and unusual punishment. It is, and I had to read everything. <laughs> and it was cruel and unusual punishment. <laughs> there is so much mumbo jumbo. There are so empty words that really sentences that don't mean anything. Um, Sounds like some politicians I know today. What we like to call word salads that sound like a lot of terminology that gets us nowhere. I think that actually if you you put him next to Kamala Harris, I think she would sound very intelligent. (laughs) That's that's Um, not good. But he has this accent, so I have an accent too, but... um, he he because he he because he became so rich and because he used his money to influence politicians and to pay and apparently american politicians don't cost that much um he was he said oh and he sounds european uh so um he got uh, he was able really to influence all kind of politics and also he had apparently again i asked the questions on whose behalf was it of course, it's globalist. We know that. But at the beginning, and, and as you pointed out, he made money because of capitalism. 
but it's capitalism for me, not for thee. Right, right, which, and, is, which is kind of what the World Economic Forum is all about, yes. isn't it? Yes, that, that part of it as well. Yeah. And also he's been using really um, George Orwell's newspeak, if you want, mm-hmm. uh, because everything is the opposite. Uh, and also uh, Brave New World, yes. um, uh, which is really, uh, and I recommend to read. Uh, I do too. Both People both read books. Brave New World. It's, it's astonishing to me. Here, I read it in the last couple of years, and I thought, oh my God, this is, this is what's happening right now. And yet this book was written decades ago. I was, I was and- astonished by that. And we, we were given Soma, the equivalent of Soma, which uh, this is the drug that everybody was taking in the dystopian um, uh, dystopian government, whatever world uh, that is described in Brave New World. Uh, and now everybody can take uh, cannabis or whatever drug they want. Actually, nobody will, will do anything about it, right? Uh, that's, that's the gift that source, uh, everybody can thank source. You, you, uh, yeah, you, you have said that he, that's really where he started trying yes. to influence public policy was yes. with marijuana and legalizing Not marijuana. marijuana. Initially, it was all drugs. Okay. But there was a pushback from Arizona. And why did he take drugs? In 1992, three, four, even five, if you said, let's legalize drugs, people looked at it. It was unacceptable. It was unthinkable. Uh, but now, you know, what's the problem? Yeah, it's, it's okay. And drugs is, is, is supposed to be what? You, you are given now all kind of antidotes in order to be able to take more drugs and drug paraphernalia so that you can take more drugs and they are selling drugs everywhere. This is, this is really, and, and he managed to call it also, here is Orwell again, harm reduction. No, it's increasing harm, okay? It's not reducing the harm, it's increasing the harm and convincing more people to take drugs uh, instead of fighting uh, and, and really uh, punishing people um, and, and giving educational programs like we had it during the Reagans, say no to drugs. Just and say no, just say yeah. no. Everybody. The, 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 that, that commercial, Rachel, this is your, yeah. this is your brain, this is your brain on drugs with the egg. Absolutely. That, that was seared, no pun intended, into my mind forever. Yeah, I, I, I recall it too. And um, what he did, and when he came up, why did he choose that? Because that was really something unthinkable um, and unacceptable. And he wanted to see with that, he tried to see how much he can push the American public, how strongly the Americans will hold on to their values, okay, to their principles. Well, um, he chose something good because drugs, you know, uh, many people, um, uh, there, was a, uh, there was a drug culture here before during the 60s, right? Yes. And the 70s. So, uh, but for him, it was really an attempt to see, the first attempt to see how much, how far can he push. So um, he, he, he decided to do that, and he succeeded. But he didn't go to Congress uh, to try and lobby to change the, the uh, drug laws. No. He decided to do it, and that was really his, uh, he developed it uh, very well since. He decided to go to cities, to states, locally, 
and start changing pay local politicians uh, to an activist. And he created uh, uh, and paid for different uh, organizations that will promote it uh, to change the laws in the city, in the state. So that's what he has done. And by now, what, there are 39 states in the United States that um, are permitting the... Have legalized marijuana, uh, right. Right. Yeah. Or, yeah. It's for recreational too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, and now it's also, and of course, um, uh, medical marijuana. And there is no medical marijuana, by the way, because there, even today, the FDA had approved only four medicines that have been developed from uh, the effective ingredients of marijuana, from cannabinoids that make up the, the uh, that is in the plant. Only four. And um, uh, there, and, and whatever they are selling has high, very high quanti- uh, quantity uh, of uh, THC, the tetrahydrocannabinol, which is a f- which affects the brain, um, and uh, and people are, I mean, it, it's a very strong drug. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it can be, it should be only for whatever they are selling. Uh, it should be only three percent. Tops, but they are selling it in some places, 75% to 90% tetrahydrocannabinol. Um, and um, uh, you lose your judgment, you lose your, I mean, you, you are really, and you are enslaved. So when he started actually promoting it, he said, well, marijuana, marijuana is, is not addictive. And even then he knew there was plenty of uh, research done by then to show that marijuana is can be addictive, and can be a getaway uh, for right, other drugs, right. and uh, but he went ahead and he 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 did that, and when Obama uh, became president, and he of course uh, supported Obama big time, uh, he uh, Obama did not did not speak about legalizing marijuana, but. He encouraged the attorneys, the um, uh, federal uh, attorneys in the United States, not to go after marijuana crime, uh, after drug crimes, actually. Uh, so, and he actually spoke about it, that how slowly he actually um, spoke on behalf of the Soros plan to go locally, to try and change the, uh, the laws locally so there will be enough pressure from states on the on Congress that eventually Congress will change the laws too. And this is what is happening today. That's what they are trying to do. I'm not sure that Biden will not actually legalize, uh, uh, will reschedule. Marijuana is scheduled now as a dangerous drug like heroin. Uh, and they are very, the, the Soros people and all the drug legalizers and Democrats are pushing to uh, reschedule the drug. So it will be not a dangerous drug, but it will be like, I don't know, buying Tylenol. Okay. okay. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, it's going to be. So, so, yeah. So he's, he's focused on that part. And as you said, really to, I mean, this sounds like a stretch, but to kind of put people in a stupor, just to kind of, right. just to kind of you, numb the mind of Americans. Managed- he duped absolutely, uh, absolutely. He duped Americans uh, to dope themselves. Okay. Okay. So then, and this is go ahead. 
this is costing the economy hundreds of billions of dollars in workplace accidents, in road accidents, in crime, in all kinds. Crimeless because now they are not being prosecuted, right? Uh, but people are dying from fentanyl yes. and fentanyl, although Soros is not the one who is bringing fentanyl to this country, but he created the, he helped to create the um, atmosphere and the culture that, hey, anything goes. And if you use drugs, it's fine. You know, it's not your fault. We will help you, actually. We can give you free drug paraphernalia, and we will give you something if you take, actually, too much heroin or fentanyl or something, then you can have, everybody should have something, you know, uh, in order to resuscitate you. I mean, this is outrageous. We're going to have more with Rachel Ehrenfeld. We started this discussion with her, and it's so in-depth. We've heard now how Soros wanted to legalize marijuana and more drugs in the United States and why. Now that leads us to the question of the border and why it's become flat out open. And where is George Soros' involvement in that? Rachel Ehrenfeld will join us again next time to discuss. And until then, be brave and do good. 